0: Welcome to an episode of the award-winning podcast Art Insiders New York. My name is Anders Holst. The theme of the podcast is New York with a focus on behind-the-scenes conversations with fascinating people who are making an impact in the world of art, design, and architecture. Joshua Jelly Shapiro is an award-winning American geographer and writer. In his latest book, Names of New York, he traces the ways in which native Lenape, Dutch settlers, British invaders and successive waves of immigrants have left their marks on the city's map. In this interview, we talk about how several places in New York got their names. Manhattan, Brooklyn, The Bowery, Greenwich Village, Sputenduvel, Lackawanna, Borough Hill to mention a few. We talk about how place matters to us as human beings and how it shapes our beliefs about who we are. We also discuss more complex issues relating to place naming. For example, 70 streets in Brooklyn are named after slave owners. Should these names be erased from the cityscape or should they remain as a historic marker? Joshua is a regular contributor to the New York Review of Books He lives in New York and is a scholar in residence at the Institute for Public Knowledge at NYU where he also teaches. Very welcome to the podcast Art Insiders New York. Thanks for having me. Pleased to be here. And uh, congratulations uh, to this uh, wonderful book that you've written about uh, names of New York. Streets, parks, boroughs, bridges, playgrounds, islands also. There is a, a chapter for that. And um, uh, it's wonderful. I I love this quote that is uh, on the book here. It says, uh, A casually wondrous experience. It made me feel like the city was unfolding beneath my feet. I I just love it. So I was wondering, um, before we get into the book, though, um, what does a geographer do? You are presented as a writer and a geographer. What What do you do? Do you study maps? (laughs)
1: it's a very good question yes uh, studying maps is one thing that i do certainly i'm a i'm a great lover of maps a cardophile if you like but no i get asked that question a lot and sometimes my you know students ask me uh and of course they wonder if i just you know study all the state capitals or capitals of the world just geographic trivia and uh the answer is really no to that question um though that's not a Bad thing to study. Uh, no, doing a doing a PhD in geography really, uh, to my mind, or at least in my case, meant thinking about all the ways in which place matters to human beings and the ways in which a sense of place shapes our beliefs about who we are, who we want to be, where we want to go. Uh, I, I believe that that place is fundamental um, to, to so many sort of realms of of life and culture. And uh, so really, my, my life and career has been, in a lot of ways, just devoted to that idea and to writing about place and narrating place and thinking about how and why place shapes us as, as people
0: yeah so that means it must be in, it must integrate a lot of different um, areas like uh, history and uh, how we int- uh, interact socially and uh, culture and cultural history you have written books before uh, the island people the Caribbean and the world in 2016 and I saw a very interesting review here by uh, Marlon James, uh, who said that, uh, many have tried to get hold of it in its entirety. The volatile, beautiful, relentless, shifting Caribbean. Nobody has succeeded as dazzlingly. I think that's a very good, uh, that's a very good review of your work. Well, Marlon was very kind to give me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and you also been involved in um, Nonstop Metropolis, uh, a New York City Atlas, and you wrote the foreword to Chris O'Feely's Paradise Lost. Am I correct?
1: Yes, that's true. Yeah, that was a that was a fun project. A little collaboration with Chris, who's an artist I really admire, and those were photos and works of his from Trinidad uh, in the in the Caribbean, uh, where he lives. So had the had the fun of writing a a, a weird essay about the cultural history of chain link fences. <laughs> so. <laughs> That was, that was fun, but no, Chris is a great artist, and that was a fun project.
0: And then you wrote uh, Cuba Then, Cuba Now, which was an excerpt from your previous work that you um, uh, put in a book form.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, It was the, the chapters on Cuba from Island People and then updated with a couple of new essays just about Cuba since the death of Fidel Castro. So, How do these
0: different books relate to one another? Is there a theme here, or uh, how do you explain it?
1: Yeah, no, I I I to me there is a theme that 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 joins them and one of those that uh, the the central theme just being place, as I as I mentioned. Yeah. I'm, I'm profoundly interested in sort of how how humans shape place and how place shapes people. And so my work on the Caribbean has been, you know, it's sort of born of a Really lifelong affinity for the the culture and music and literature uh, of the Antilles. Uh, I spent many years essentially uh, living in in the islands off and on and writing about uh, history and culture as a journalist um, in that part of the world and across the Americas. And so that that book just grew out of that fascination uh, with these larger questions, but also with the particular music and literature and and culture of of Cuba and Jamaica and Trinidad and Puerto Rico and all these places I care about, Haiti as well. Um, And my more recent work on on cities, uh, on New York City, most notably uh, in this book, Names of New York, and also this atlas, Nonstop Metropolis that I uh, created with a bunch of people, maps of the city uh, of an experimental kind um, really has to do with a a fascination with with cities and the ways in which uh, cities contain a an infinite number of, of ways to be mapped, if you like. They contain a, an infinity of stories, of, of overlapping histories uh, that all of us who, who live in a place like New York bring to it, um, and also all the histories that, that have shaped this place. So as you say, geography you know, brings together a lot of different disciplines in a sense, history and anthropology and, and humanities. And, and I I certainly I think the great fun challenge as a writer and a writer who cares about geographies to try and bring these things together in a in a vivid and lively way so hopefully hopefully i've done so in this book so the
0: book um, uh, names of new york can you tell us a little bit about how how did this uh, come about what was the idea Did you wake up one day and said now i'm going to write a book about uh
1: well yeah it's uh, i wish i could remember the moment specifically but i think <laughs> it um it really did grow out of uh my work on nonstop metropolis, which, uh, you know, is a, is a a volume of these quirky maps, very many different ways to map the city. Uh, but of course, to create any map, you're, you're kind of immersed in the names that make it up. Um, all the place names that are, are familiar and, and also perhaps not familiar. You know, we have all the iconic ones in New York that everyone knows Broadway and Times Square and Manhattan and Harlem and, and so on. But of course there are thousands of others that, um, or maybe only famous to the people who live in the neighborhoods who live on those blocks that that they describe. But I, so which is to say that I was sort of immersed in names and creating maps and essays about the city. Uh, But I had always been fascinated by place names, about where they come from, about how they they shape our sense of a place and and our sense of what's possible as well. Um, And I think this book was in, in certain ways inspired by there's a great old book called Names on the Land, which is a book by a writer called George R. Stewart. It came out in the 1940s about American place names and essentially just riffing on all the stories behind them. Um, and I, I love that book. And I thought, oh, it would be so neat to do a book like that in New York. But that then also perhaps adds a, a contemporary political angle in terms of thinking about, um, you know, the politics of names and and Not only where they come from, but whether and how we we think about changing them or what histories we honor and place names. Uh, So it's a great way to kind of get at a bunch of those questions, but also just geek out, if you like, on, on place <laughs> names and, and digging yeah. into the stories behind them.
0: Yeah, that's what I like about your book because you insert some fun <laughs> reflections and some some uh, sharp comments <laughs> on things.
1: Yeah, got to do it. Got to keep it engaged. Facts yeah, like only go so far.
0: So. I like what you say yeah. about the, the people in Williamsburg. I, I enjoyed that very much. I lived in Soho, so I got my fair share of of, um, of your... Um, <laughs> your um, Equal
1: opportunity. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, so when you were doing this, was there anything that you found especially intriguing?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, many things, you know, um, of course, contemporary stories about all these the sort of streets that stick in people's minds, honorary streets, you know whether they honor, you know, ice cream vendors or, or beloved, uh, you know, Little League coaches or, uh, you know, <laughs> national heroes from the Dominican Republic or China or any number of the countries with that uh, people in New York hail from. So many stories like that. But, you know, one thing that really I was fascinated by and surprised by were the ways in which so many place names, um, whether they're Dutch or English or whatever else, the ones that stick or the ones that um, we tend to recall often, I think it just has to be do with how, how they hit our ears, the way that they sound. And yeah. uh, I think, for example, of, you know, I mentioned Harlem earlier, Harlem today is this iconic, you know, neighborhood of, uh, of black history and uh, African-American pride. It's a sort of a sort of Mecca for, for black culture. And Harlem signifies those things to us. Of course, Harlem was, you know, coined by uh, some Dutchmen back in the 1600s who named that part of Manhattan after the town there they were from back in back in Holland. Um, and they, of course, were not thinking or could not have known about what Harlem would mean later on. Yeah. But I love the ways in which that simple word, you know, today it signifies something else. Those two syllables—they just—they sound good. They've lent themselves to poetry and music and and. Uh, I I'm, I'm very thankful that the English didn't succeed in changing the name of Harlem. Uh, they wanted to change it to Lancaster. And I have to say <laughs> Lancaster just doesn't doesn't resonate in the same way. You know, the <laughs> Lancaster Renaissance just wouldn't wouldn't be as good.
0: No, it doesn't. I mean there, there are a couple of big takeaways uh, from this book and and one is, is of course what you just mentioned here that you you talk about the um, uh, the Dutch settlers. Uh, f- first of all, the Napa, the the native, the native yep. people who lived here, right? And then you have the Dutch uh, settlers, the British invaders, I like that. And then, of course, uh, contemporary Americans. And, and when you look at New York and the names through that lens, it, it's very obvious, of course. But you don't think about it, but, but then it becomes very obvious and it sorts out thing. I mean, I like that I take the train along the Hudson and you pass spuyten Devil." Is, is that how you pronounce it, spuyten
1: I, well, I love hearing you pronounce it because that's
0: closer. So sort of, uh, how it's, Cindy, yeah, exactly. Uh, New well, Yorkers, you know,
1: I tend to hear it Spite and devil" is how New Yorkers say it. So it's like you know. Uh, so I was
0: thinking, what the hell does that mean? So I was looking at your book, yeah. and, and so what does it mean?
1: Yeah, I've in in the into the old Dutchman, I the devil's whirlpool, yeah. right? Um, which is wonderful. It's where the Harlem River, you know, hits the Hudson, and so it's. This old kind of lyrical description of the the whirlpools that may have existed there once the devil's whirlpool, but I I love you know there's so many of these many of these old Dutch names and um, similarly obviously we talk about the Native American ones too and the English yeah but many of the Dutch names you know were that were kept by the English or at least survived uh, and have survived to now of course most people have no idea what they mean or refer to that's a great example Spennnival but others as well you know something like Coney Island, uh, you know, in, in Dutch, it meant Coney Islands. It meant Island of Rabbits. It meant something. And, and in English, it doesn't mean anything. But I think we like the sound, so yeah, they kept it. Um, another one, you know, Gramercy Park, for example. Gramercy, it sounds like maybe an English word. It kind of puts you in mind of, of London, maybe because it's a park that looks like London. Yeah, but in fact, that was just an English riff on. On the Dutch name for that part of Manhattan, the, the Crowmar or some some such, my pronunciation is not great, but uh-huh. in the old Dutch it was the crooked marsh, right? Oh so, I see. yeah and so the, the English took those words and made them sound English, but they have a root in, in Dutch and they mean. Something.
0: And you also mentioned that Greenveek Green district, Greenwich Village uh, along those lines, right and and the Bowery, the Bouverie, the the farm road uh it's just uh it's just fascinating i i find
1: absolutely yeah. yeah no and these uh of course there are all these remnants but yeah the bowery which we we know is the bowery comes from of course as you say the old dutch word for farm road um and it's still still with us and there are many 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 names like this one part
0: of your book that i that i really like uh, when it comes to giving an insight into How to research uh, the true meaning of uh, places is the the conversation you have about Manhattan, where you look at uh, uh, the origin of that uh, word from many different sources. You had like three references there the uh, John Gottlieb Ernestus Heckenweider, who says, The island where all become (laughs) intoxicated, and then the William uh, Wallace Toker, Island of the Hills, and Albert Anthony, place for bow and Remember, this this is all about Manhattan,
1: right? Yeah, that's correct. Those are essentially these different versions throughout time of uh, explanations as to what the old Lenape word uh, Manhattan, uh, which from which Manhattan is derived, uh, what that meant. Because, of course, like many native place words that we have with us, you know, essentially it's just an approximation of what some. European person heard perhaps a native person say. Yeah, uh, in that case, one of Henry Hudson's sailors, literally in 1609. You know, they met um, some indigenous uh, uh, people, some Lenape men. It sounds like along um, Manhattan's west side, and evidently one of them perhaps gestured or said something that sounded like Manhattan. And this and this sailor wrote it in his log, and that is. Uh, from whence we get the word Manhattan but it's quite unclear as to what uh, that person was trying to convey it's quite unclear whether they were even pointing to Manhattan or pointing across the river to New Jersey or or what so there's been great confusion about that um and those people you cited were you know different versions of what it might have meant Island of Hills or, or what have you but it seems like our best guess now is uh that The, the syllables Manhattan in the, in the Lenape language do mean a uh, place where we gathered wood for bows and arrows. So uh, the linguists and, and, and people of, of the community who still speak that language, uh, their best guess at this point is perhaps place where we gathered wood for bows and arrows, which fits because there were lots of, lots of trees in Manhattan once upon a time.
0: Are there any names that are still uh, a mystery to people where, where where the academics sort of still disagree on, on what is what? I mean, are there any black spots on your map here?
1: Yeah, no, uh, excellent question. And I think the, the answer is yes, there are many. And most of them, uh, in fact, are these indigenous place words, right? Um, because we have many of them on, on the map. We don't necessarily think of think of all of them or recognize them as uh, derived from the Lenape language. The Lenape were, as you say, the people who were who were here when Europeans arrived. They spoke an Algonquian language, so related to many of the languages in this part of the continent. Um, and they have descendants who still speak it. Most of them are in Ontario or in Oklahoma. Uh, not many people left, but they are—they are still with us, thankfully. Um, and there is a lot of a lot of disagreement about these words. But think of it—you know, we have just over across the river in New Jersey. You know, you have uh, you have Hackensack and you have Hoboken and Passaic and and uh, Raritan in Brooklyn. You have you know Canarsie. Uh, Gowanus, you have Rockaway out in Queens. Okay, in okay, Haskell. okay. Take, take them one at a no. time here, then. Okay, so because
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Lackawanna, because you see that when you drive along the West Side Highway. That I always say, right. What the heck does that mean? So, right. on New Jersey's at Hoboken, then that's Frank Sinatra's oh, uh,
1: birthplace. Well, see, you're putting me on the spot here, but <laughs> I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would say Hoboken Passaic, if I'm remembering correctly, there was most of those of those place words essentially reference sort of water and this makes sense you know Uh it's quite marshy there so they mean things like you know place where river empties into the bay or uh marshy spot with two rivers there's um i think rockaway uh derives from uh i believe the lenape word or our best guess is is place of grasses um so many of these many of these things um You know, there are sort of good guesses as to what they mean, but many of them are, you know, linguists disagree, in fact, because they are sort of English or Dutch transcriptions of what may have been sort of spoken or enunciated by Lenape people once upon a time. So there is some disagreement as to what they all mean. Um, But I'll give you a, a good example, too. You know, Jamaica out in Queens. yes always, always mysterious. And you always, you know, you take the train out to the airport and you go into Jamaica uh, and people may wonder, and for a long time, people said, Oh, it was, it derived from a local indigenous word uh, for a lake in that part of Queens called Jamaica or a pond uh, that someone wrote down. And that was for a long time. That was the theory that it was some derivation of, of a local word. I think our best guess now though, is that. uh, Essentially, the English named it after what else the island in the Caribbean where <laughs> they were they were making a lot of money off of, of sugar slavery at that point um, and so named it named it Jamaica after that. Um, that Jamaica, of course, is also an indigenous uh, word from the Caribbean It means land of woods and water oh, yeah. uh, from the Arawak language of of the Antilles. so anyway, many of these stories are are quite you know convoluted and strange, but it's so fascinating how. And why certain names stick. That
0: that is that is so cool. You work really hard and then you figure out oh yeah, it's named from Jamaica, you know, we can mm-hmm. we can rest here. Lackawanna, uh, Forked River, I think you mentioned in your book. Forked River, does that make does that make any sense? Right. Or, or yeah.
1: Sounds right. Of course, Lackawanna, you know, the, the sign that you see from the west side, it's on the train and ferry terminal there, and it's for the Lackawanna Railroad that once ran to place called Lackawanna, out by Buffalo in western oh. New York. So um, that's uh, that's what that reference is. But yes, there you go, Forked River. And uh, Brooklyn,
0: let's take that too, because there are many listeners here saying, okay, well, come to Brooklyn then. Explain right. to us, what the heck is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Brooklyn, of course, the name derives from one of the original uh, Dutch villages. There were uh, six of them there in what's now Brooklyn. Uh, the village of that they called... Brooklyn was uh, there by essentially what's Dumbo now, or 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 a little further down, right by the by the Brooklyn Bridge, um, and it was a, a v- village there on the on the on the river. There are many, honestly, there are there are a couple of different versions as to where the Dutch got that. Mm-hmm. Um, the simplest version is there is a place in Holland uh, of that name, so it's essentially a kind of naming after situation. But there is an etymology, because the the spelling changed quite a bit across time, that essentially Brooklyn means some uh, version of broken land, which Mm -hmm. is to say, uh, because it's so marshy, there are many parts of Brooklyn that are sort of soft and broken land. And that's a case where that may or may not, in fact, be the case. Um, It it sounds logical. It sounds good. Uh, Whether that was the... Original derivation of of the Dutch village of Brooklyn, we're not sure, uh, because it was anglicized, the spelling was changed across time. But in any case, Brooklyn is named for that original little village there uh, by the river.
0: Another takeaway from your book that really uh, organized my thoughts was when you talk about that uh, uh, in the beginning, uh, um, and I think you can explain this much better than I, in the beginning uh, a place was named after um, its setting or its sponsor.
1: Thank you, yeah, no, now I know what you're referencing, yeah, in, in essentially we're thinking now about Lower Manhattan and about, uh, you know, what was once the Dutch settlement of New Amsterdam, which had, uh, like many towns and villages, you could think of this, that when it's built up, you have, okay, you have Water Street. It's on the water. You have Bridge Street that goes over, you know, a, a canal. You yeah. have you have Church Street. You have Park Street. You know, these are very kind of just descriptive, simple uh, phrases for what a, a street's function in a place. And I think that... Later on, as something expands and you have way more, uh, you know, than one <laughs> one street for everything um, yeah. or every occupation, you often get, you know, the the owners, uh, the the people who have now built an estate outside town, whether that's the. The Bleekers or the Delanceys or uh, or Stuyvesant, you know, the governor general of, of New Netherland. Um, so that as you got further out from the old village of New Amsterdam, and many of these place names are still with us, you know, you have um, basically landowners who have, have laid claim to a place and, and many of those names, you know, Bleeker, Delancey, these ones were, they were big farms that were owned by illustrious families uh, in the you know sixteen seventeen hundreds in in New york and and we still have those place names even though n- now they're urbanized you know. but then later on I think this is the thing right it's that the outskirts that are named for sort of wealthy or illustrious people and then later on it can be named for for anything you know for particular heroes or people who want to be honored um you know you 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 live in in Soho honors and of course many of the the streets in Soho for example are uh, we don't think of this but are named essentially for, you know, famous soldiers in the American Revolutionary War. So you have, you know, Wooster and Mercer and Green and, and, and Thompson and Sullivan and all of these. We don't think of them. I don't think most people don't as referencing people. But of course they do. And these were not landowners or anything. They were just people who were heroes in their day. And essentially when those streets were laid out, that's what people were we're thinking about and wanting to commemorate is freedom from Great Britain, and so you had you have a lot of streets in Manhattan that are, are named for the soldiers.
0: <laughs> yes, and and uh, and I like the when you talk about the sort of when when places or neighborhoods are, are named after then uh, subdivisions. You, you you talked about the, for instance Corona in in Queens, uh, yeah. uh, which is just Crown, I guess uh, that's what they want. Yeah, and and, and yeah. this guy with Aster. Uh, that when they named Astoria after Astor, right? Because yeah, they wanted yeah. him to to support <laughs> the neighborhood. And he, yeah. he basically never got there. Or well, what happened? He never gave any money to Yeah, Yeah, that,
1: that's a funny story where you have, a, yeah, Astoria, you know, wonderful neighborhood in Queens right over the East River from Manhattan. Um, and it was named, yeah, John Jacob Astor, who was, you know the kind of uh, magnate of fur, first of all, but then you know his family came to own huge parts of New York, and massively wealthy. That's the same Astor, of course, of Astor Place and and uh, and many other locations in the city. But yeah, old man Astor, he he was very wealthy, and he had a, a house in the Upper East Side. And these people who the man who who chartered what became Astoria is just a village in Queens at that point. He was hopeful in the 1840s that um, Astro would give give them money to fund their town. <laughs> so essentially, they named it Astoria in his honor. And he never went. Uh, he sent them $500, which, you know, in the 1840s was a significant sum, but not, yeah. not enough to bankroll them for forever. Uh, <laughs> and that was it. So he he threw them something, but he never went to visit, which is funny. <laughs> but, um, but no, what you say about, you know, so many neighborhoods, of course, are... Especially out in Queens or in southern Brooklyn or places that, you know, were developed um, rapidly in the late uh, 1800s and the first half of the of the 20th century, uh, you know, basically turning farmland into, into neighborhoods. And so yeah. basically developers coined these names, whether those are, you know, Jackson Heights or... Um, or utopia parkway was named for a development called utopia that never came to be
0: i love that story because i I drive through that i take a picture of that sign and put it on instagram you know i love that utopia (laughs) and you told me in the book here it doesn't lead anywhere
1: (laughs) it doesn't lead no they they were hoping to build this development called utopia that was going to allow uh uh, Jews and other people who had a hard time finding housing in the early 20th century, but the developers sadly ran out of money. Uh, so they kept Utopia Parkway, but the, the housing development never came to pass.
0: Yeah, and Ozone Park. I've been thinking about that too, if it's about anything about the ozone layer, but it has nothing to do with that. It's apparently about the fresh air.
1: You're quite correct. Yeah, the ozone layer, you know, we... Speaking about a little less now, but it obviously has entered the parlance in recent years thinking about climate change and so on. But no, Ozone Park was named by its developer. Uh, this was in uh, the late 1800s. Uh, and essentially, it was meant to sort of tout uh, the proximity to the sea breezes off the Atlantic. They said that you're near the ozone, which I guess was the the, <laughs> in the parlance in that era uh, meant something quite different, but basically trying to entice people to, to head out there. Um, another one right out there owners that, that's kind of funny is our yeah. Vern or our Vern by the sea, which is uh, thereby by the Rockaways, actually Southern Queens by the, by the ocean. And this is a funny one where the developer there was a fellow called our uh, Vernum. His first initial was R, and he signed his checks, our Vernum. And as the story goes his his wife liked that phrase and how it sounded and said well this new development you're building you should just call it R vern a <laughs> uh, r v r n e and there it is you can you can visit Arverne to this day so random word but it's stuck it's incredible now I was thinking what was Soho called before it was named
0: Soho because that came in 1962 if I'm if I'm correct here um, yeah that's a
1: good question I wonder if it had a nickname I mean um You know, essentially a sort of undifferentiated part of lower Manhattan or the greater, the greater village. It was a kind of no man land between, you know, the old, the old Dutch city and the village a little higher up. Um, So it's a, it's a good question what it was called back then. Maybe
0: something with cast iron, but I don't think uh, yeah. that was it, maybe not. Um, and then, uh, from your book, uh, I mean, there's so many stories here, and, and it, it becomes almost like we're <laughs> going through... Mm-hmm. The, people have to, to, to read your book, uh, of course. But um, a few more of these uh, uh, places that we talk about. So, Bur- Burham Hill, Burham Hill and Cobble Hill. You think that, that sounds really cool and old and, and fancy, but it, it, it's not that old, actually.
1: No, no, Borum Hill. I mean, it, the, the name, you know, comes from an old Dutch family that owned, owned land in that part of Brooklyn yeah. long ago, but basically Borum Hill comes from, I think, 1960s um, or even more recently when the Neighborhood Association, they're trying to get uh, essentially historic landmark status and to sort of celebrate, um, you know, the beautiful brownstone architecture of that part of Brooklyn, kind of coined it as Borum Hill. The irony there is that it's Yes, it's slightly higher than some of the surrounding areas, but you could hardly sort of call it a hill, I think. <laughs> um, and it's funny, you know, there are many areas of the city that have these like heights. You know, Jackson Heights being another one, where the the their sort of namers give them these names to give them a kind of prestige that that uh, is often not about their um, their height or altitude at all. So, <laughs> so we have it. Um, But neighborhood names, yeah, many, especially in recent decades, you know, they have sort of proliferated and partly it's about, you know, the people who have a vested interest in selling neighborhoods essentially as commodities. You know, it's about real estate. And so you have all these new nicknames that, that crop up
0: yeah exactly um another one my favorite here is the buttermilk channel that people thought was named after the, what farmers who went from brooklyn to manhattan and, and the channel yeah, the milk exactly. got
1: to be butter whatever i thought that oh was that's it. right so buttermilk channel there's a couple versions um one being uh the buttermilk channel is the bit of water between red hook brooklyn and governor's island um so off of lower manhattan there mm-hmm. and one story goes that uh you know, essentially that that channel often, it got low, it got uh, at low tide, you could actually walk across it. And so cows would go to Governor's Island to, to graze. And so perhaps they said, you know, buttermilk channel for that. But the the more kind of poetic version, which I, I rather love, is this idea that farmers who were bringing their butter to, to Manhattan, that the water was so choppy that it would churn the milk into butter, <laughs> uh, which sounds like it would have to be extremely choppy i'm not sure i buy the story (laughs) it's a great a great etymology you know it's rather rather excellent so yeah so many stories like that
0: so toponymy is is the overarching so what is toponymy
1: yeah i mean essentially just the fancy word for the study of place name i see topos being you know the greek Greek uh, term for for place uh, so toponymy uh, the study of place names and it's a very you know niche field this is not something you can get a degree in or anything <laughs> um, but there are people as I say who are obsessed with place names and, yeah. and love studying them where they come from and, and and what they do and so it's been fun to at least dip my dip my toe into that field to, to write this book.
0: yeah you also bring up some some um, issues now that are very you know, in the news, and that is, of course, things that have been named. You you, you bring up Jean Jacques Dessalines, who is commemorated on a street in Brooklyn, and he's known for massacring his ex-colony masters. Um, yeah. So, w- where do you stand in all the, in this debate of you know, should we revise history? Should we change things? Should we take away? You mentioned also in your book that there's 70 streets in Brooklyn named after slave owners. Um so, I think that's a very interesting question and and so what what is your view on that?
1: Yeah, why well, you know we we are living through a really vital reckoning with history, and I think that was part of the impetus uh, for writing this book that we're thinking about um you know statues and and what we commemorate in public space and and what uh, place names and street names, what histories are, are visible and which ones are made invisible. Um, and so for me, absolutely, there's there's often good cause to be changing names or taking down certain statues that were erected at a certain point in time for a certain uh, set of values that we may reject. And I'm, I'm sort of alluding to, you know, many of the Confederate monuments down south, for example, um, which were were put up, you know, not during the Civil War as neutral markers of history, but some decades later to assert white supremacy. So I have no issue at all with taking those down and changing those names. In fact, I believe uh, deeply that they should be removed. There are also, though, many cases, and I think that these street names in Brooklyn that you just mentioned, uh, you know, that uh, name uh, or named after people who uh, some centuries ago were in Brooklyn and owned slaves. I am not of the view that all of those necessarily need be changed. And I think that uh the reason why is that those are in fact remnants or markers of history that we need to recall and confront and remember. Um and also they are names that have taken on many different meanings across time. You know, uh people who live on say Nostrum Avenue in Brooklyn, you know, that that's a street that's deeply identified now with Caribbean culture, for example. And I don't I don't think that. Uh, changing the name uh, necessarily does any favors to either to the people who've come to identify with that name or to yeah. making its its history visible. Um, so these are all that is to say these are complex questions. There's not one answer that we need to change all names or or leave all names the same. I think it has to be a case by case basis. Um, but I'm of course deeply uh, deeply impressed by and care a lot about um, you know efforts to confront our history in public space. And, and part of that, I think, is just erecting new monuments and new memorials to, to histories that, that haven't been celebrated or, or properly recalled.
0: What is your relationship to New York? Uh, you are not from, you're not a New Yorker to begin with. you uh...
1: That's right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I have, you know, I like to say, like many Americans, I have a family history that kind of runs through New york and through ellis island specifically um my my father's family uh jersey city and and uh brooklyn area. i'm sorry bayonne new jersey uh, and essentially so that is to say they came to ellis island and got about two miles away from it so they <laughs> right across right across the water um but yeah i grew up mostly in in uh bucolic vermont so mm-hmm. not not in new york city but i've Lived here for you know a large chunk of my adult life, and and I've always spent time uh, in New York, and I I you know it's become home. And I think one of the things about this city that I love about it, uh, as compared to other cities where I've spent time, and where I also care about, I think New York is a place that kind of makes um, it makes space for you if you are willing to kind of claim it. You know, I think that it's obviously a deeply challenging place to live. All of us who live here you know it's as its frustrations and having to hustle is, is not easy always here. But I think that, you know, if you show up off a plane or, or, or from the provinces and get into the rhythm of it and start, you know, complaining about the C train running late, you're kind of, you're kind of a New Yorker. Whereas (laughs) uh, I think that, you know, many cities in, in the old world or in new Orleans, say another place I care about, you know, if you don't go back, seven generations you you kind of don't count as of that place but i think that new york is this marvelous you know meeting of of people from everywhere who've come to to try and make it here and it yeah. it's, doesn't always work out but i think that everyone if you want to come and, and have a go, you you can do so. You know, New York makes space for that. Yeah. So, what are your favorite uh,
0: parts of New York uh, where you like to hang out, or does it vary over time?
1: Uh... Yeah. No. I mean, I I love to explore the entire city. Very honestly, but I am, um, you know, a couple of places I love are uh, I love being by the water and just thinking about. Um, you know, when it was full of ships and sort of uh, routes to elsewhere. So I love Red Hook Brooklyn, where I wrote a lot of this book. Um, I also love, you know, I mentioned Jackson Heights in Queens and that part of North Central Queens, which, you know, is really now where kind of immigrant New York is most alive. And and not only that, but it's it's the part of the city and, and indeed of the world where more languages are spoken within a few square miles than, than anywhere else on the planet and in history in fact as my linguist friends like to say so i love being out there the vitality and mixture of of people from from the four corners of the earth um, out in 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 a neighborhood like jackson heights where i lived for briefly a few years ago but i I go back certainly i go back for food and to see friends and anyway (laughs) that's a that's a great corner of the city too what is your next uh,
0: next step here? Uh, any books in the pipeline? Uh... Oh, Anders,
1: you can't ask me that. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, there is stuff I should be finishing and am not finished with. But you know, I'm uh... for now. I'm loving talking about this uh, this this project and sort of thinking about all the all the other questions that it raises for the city. Um, it's been a really fun yeah. fun project to write and then to engage with people on how has it been received how is the yeah well I mean wonderfully by and large it's been um it's been it's been great I've been gratified by the reception just because I think that people people are inherently interested whether they know it or not in these sort of questions of where where names come from the places that that shape their days um oh wow it's interesting to pause and think about it um and also of course I love you know when I go on the radio and talk about it or do talks I People love to get up and ask questions. Where does so-and-so name come from? And <laughs> You know, sometimes I get lucky because I've you know studied this stuff, so I know a good bit. But obviously, I don't know every street in New York. So no. sometimes I have to say, well, you have to look it up. But I'm glad I piqued your interest in wanting to do so. One, one of the names that have
0: intrigued me, of course, uh, and that has a sad connotation to the 9-11, uh, is of course um, Fresh Kills Landfilled in uh, Staten Island. And that has a specific history, uh, as far as I understand.
1: Yeah, no, well, fresh kills. I mean, the the word kills. It's it's interesting, right? It's just the Dutch word for for creek or waterway. Um, so there are many kills around the city. Uh, you know, the Arthur Kill and the Kolvan Kill and and Peekskill upstate. Um, and so that's, of course, the the origins of of kill. Fresh kills. It's interesting. I think essentially when the English uh, you know, took over from the Dutch. They seem to have retained many of these these kills, or at least the phrase "kill," uh, and so named that uh, that part of of Staten Island "Fresh Kills," uh, uh, presumably because it had had fresh water to differentiate it from, uh, or or for some other other reason. Uh, but essentially, of course, Fresh Kills became uh, you know the, the the city dump. It became this immense landfill. Um, later on and uh, you know there's all these stories you could see it from space and so on I'm not sure that was the case but it was you know in a huge huge garbage dump and was though uh, closed down uh, right around the time uh, of 9/11 it was it was ceased being used right right before then and the remnants uh, basically uh, all the rubble and, and and remains from from 9/11 uh, ended up in Fresh Kills, much of it uh, did. Um, and now though, that, that part of Staten Island has been turned into a, a quite wonderful park. Um, it's been revived and resuscitated. Um, so it's a nice story of, of the ways in which that landscape has changed. But yeah, no, the sort of the the final resting place, if you like, of, um, of the remains of, you know, that uh, awful day in New York's history uh, did go go to fresh kills, which which is where uh, the remains of many things in city history landed for a long time.
0: Oh. I've noticed that you have a very uh, broad scope here. Uh, you write articles on uh, Cuba, Bob Marley, phonography, soccer and other issues. And I learned that you are an Arsenal fan.
1: This this is true. Guilty as charged. <laughs> I, uh... I'm a great lover of, of, of football and Arsenal. It's not not as good nowadays as they were some years ago, but
0: Yeah, what what is what is your verdict here on Arteta and
1: uh I like I like Arteta. I like Mikel. I think he's um you know, he understands the culture of the club. I think the players the players like him and like playing for him. So I'm I'm hopeful, put it that way. He's yeah. a rough start to the season, but I'm I'm hopeful.
0: Well, uh, Joshua, thank you so much. The book is Names of New York, and it's it's a wonderful book. And I learned so much about the city that uh, we love so much. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for you taking the time to elaborate, elaborate on uh, on the wonderful stories uh, in the book. Thank you so much. It
1: was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. This is Art Insiders New York, and my name is Anders Holst. If you enjoyed this episode and have family and friends who love New York and are passionate about the world of art design and architecture, please spread the word by following us on ArtInsidersNewYork.com or liking us on our Facebook page, Art Insiders New York, where we publish newsworthy material all the time. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This episode was produced by UOM LLC, copyright 2022.